0: Hello everyone, I'm JP Kuhlwein. I'm the Executive Vice President at Frederik Fekai. It's a luxury hair care brand here in New York City. I'm also the co-author of a book called Rethinking Prestige Branding, and you are listening to IP Fridays.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property it does not matter where you are from in-house or private practice novice or expert we will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks patents design and copyright discover useful tools and much more
0: Welcome to episode 48 of IP Fridays. Today we have an interview with Jeffrey Rank, who is a former assistant general counsel of Microsoft and he will report about his time at Microsoft and what he learned from his time at Microsoft for his own practice. And then we have also Trisha Volpe on the program again. Thank you very much, Trisha, who is telling us more about the copyright reform in the US. The US Department of Commerce is recommending amendments to US copyright law that would, among other things, provide more guidance and greater flexibility to courts in awarding statutory damages. Trisha Volpe with Barnes and Thornburg has more.
2: MEANINGFUL PROTECTION FOR INTELLECTUAL PROPERTY AND PRESERVATION OF INNOVATION. THAT'S WHAT THE COMMERCE DEPARTMENT HOPES ITS PROPOSED AMENDMENTS TO U.S. COPYRIGHT LAW WOULD ACCOMPLISH. THE DEPARTMENT ISSUED ITS REPORT LAST MONTH. THE WHITE PAPER ON REMIXES, FIRST SALE AND STATUTORY DAMAGES, AS IT'S CALLED, WAS WRITTEN BY THE DEPARTMENT'S INTERNET POLICY TASK FORCE AND ADDRESSES three main issues, the legal framework for the creation of remixes, the relevance and scope of what's known as the first sale doctrine, and statutory damages in the context of individual file sharers and secondary liability for large-scale infringement. With respect to statutory damages, the task force has proposed amending copyright law to include a list of factors for courts and juries to consider when determining the amount of statutory damages. For example, revenues lost and the difficulty of proving damages, the defendant's expenses shared, profits reaped and other benefits from the infringement, deterrence, The defendant's financial situation, the value or nature of the work infringed, and the circumstances, duration, and scope of the infringement. The report also notes that concerns about damages levels in cases against individuals could be alleviated if Congress were to establish a small claims tribunal with caps on damages awards. The white paper is a list of recommendations only. It's ultimately up to Congress to change the Copyright Act. Reporting for IP Fridays, I'm Trisha Volpe.
0: Thank you very much, Trisha. Ken, you had the chance to interview Jeffrey Rank.
1: Ralph, I'm joined today by Jeffrey Rank, who is counsel at schweigmann lundberg Wozner, a principal at Rank IP Law, and on the board of directors at Multiling. He previously worked for Microsoft as an assistant general counsel including a 2-year assignment in new delhi india overseeing patent offshoring activities he has spoken widely on software protection and patent portfolio strategy and management and is active in the american intellectual property law association welcome jeff to ip fridays
3: oh thank you ken i'm happy to be here
1: excellent jeff can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how did you end up at microsoft
3: Oh, you bet. I started out as an electrical engineer. I worked in the defense industry for 10 years. And then when the Berlin Wall came down and the cuts happened, I went back to law school and became a patent attorney. I was in private practice for a while and ended up at Microsoft and spent 14 years there. Mm. And uh, now I'm back in private practice. So, it's how sort of how did I end up at Microsoft? Uh, I, we did some work for them; they were one of our clients, and they asked me to come, uh, you know, work for them at, uh, you know, kind of early days, I guess, not that early, but mm-hmm. earlier days in the patent group.
1: And what was Microsoft's approach to building its patent portfolio when you arrived?
3: So the approach to building the portfolio was we really had sort of a team of three people: a patent attorney a paralegal and a paralegal assistant. And we divided the company up into various segments, and each team of three got a little segment of the company that they got to worry about Mm -hmm. and sort of be general IP counsel for. And we met with the business leaders to, you know, gather out the interesting things that they were doing and, you know, go ahead and, you know, put the patents in process. But we all sort of operated, you know, a little bit independently of each other, um, although, you know, the attorneys talk to each other quite a bit.
1: Yeah. Now, were, were there goals of the department um, that that you looked at and you established in connection with the portfolio?
3: Yeah, we started out, you know, just sort of, you know, Bill Gates was actually a very good fan of, of patents and patent portfolio after we lost, Microsoft had lost a lawsuit against Stack computer And he sort of got the idea of that. And so he was pushing us to ramp our filings. And, and, uh, you know, as a team of three, we, we, you know, we ramped them. But it didn't take very long for us to understand that every time we, you know, increased our, uh, you know, our patent filing goal and hired three people to handle the extra load, we were actually growing our headcount faster than we Mm. were actually growing our portfolio.
1: Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, And, um would you say that you reached your goals um, over time? It,
3: you know, we we did, but it, it took it took some real innovative thinking. So we sort of had that approach for a while, and once we realized we were doubling, you know, our headcount faster than we were doubling our filings. Uh, you know, we sort of went through this reorganization where we centralized functions, and uh, you know, kind of eliminated the team of three, if you will, and had more you know common staff and and more people that you know managed you know outside counsel in a centralized way. And then when we hired Marshall Phelps, Marshall Phelps, you know, convinced the company. And the decision leaders that we would really like to be in the top 10 patent filers in the United States. And that required us basically to double our patent filings in one fell swoop. And so, you know, after, even after all we'd done, we realized that we were not going to be able to double our patent filings Mm -hmm. uh, with, with little or no headcount increase. That was the other charter. So we had to really do some out of the box thinking, you know, and that's when we, you know, we sort of, uh, went through a lot of uh, you know examination on how you actually go about you know procuring you know intellectual property and patents in particular
1: i understand one of the things that you're into is what's called process improvement science what is that exactly so as as
3: we went through this you know this Reorganization, as we went through kind of how we were really going to do things and how were we going to meet this you know these goals that we had of you know basically doubling our filings. um it became clear that we really needed to rethink all of our patent processes. And we had internal to Microsoft some folks that are schooled in like Six Sigma, you know, Lean Six Sigma, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, it, these process improvement sciences, there's, you know, kind of a grab bag full of them. And we actually brought these folks in uh, to help us internally re-engineer our processes. And it was sort of an eye-opening uh, experience for us internally, because there was this mental hurdle we had to leap over. That not everything patent attorneys do is, is sort of like the craft model. You know, I'm going to handcraft this special piece of work, or you know, like building a handcrafted Ferrari or something like that. Yeah. You know, a lot of the work we do, frankly, is is, is more you know assembly line ish. And if you have those sorts of things, you can you can start to apply these sorts of process improvement sciences to them. Mm
1: -hmm. And with respect to, let's say, docketing and translation, did that fit into the process improvement science at all?
3: Yeah, it really did. It sort of those those sorts of things are sort of the low-hanging fruit, if you will, mm-hmm. of process improvement sciences. Because as attorneys, even you know, outside attorneys, you know, or, you know, or you know, private practice attorneys, we're used to delegating things to a docketing department or a paralegal or something like that. But you know, the the process improvement sciences actually take a little bit more of a holistic view of things. And, you know, you start to look at sort of end-to-end processes and the roles people play in there and what level of skill you can actually dial in for the various, you know, process improvement sciences. So patent docketing, you know, patent filing, we're used to those sorts of things. Translations, maybe not so much, but there's a lot to be had in reengineering sort of our translation in some of the higher level processes as well.
1: Any particular lessons or takeaways on a number of our listeners, our in house counsel at, at companies, that maybe you could impart to them on, on, on this type of thing with respect to this process improvement science, things that they could implement into their own day to day operations?
3: Uh, sure. I, I, I'll just go just a couple of quick points. The first point is. As you sit down and rethink about, you know, your job, you should ask yourself, I think, two major questions. The first question is, if I had extra time and money or resources, you know, fill in the blank, whatever you need, what would I be spending my time on that would add more value to my position?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And the second question is, if I could be concerned, if I could be convinced that the task would be handled with the utmost competency. What would I be willing to get rid of off my plate in order to make room for the first things? So that first question tells you what you ought to be focusing on, and the second question tells you what you ought to be letting go of and giving to somebody else, Mm -hmm. and or in this process improvement thing. So that's a place to start, you know. And then we learned that, you know, after going through this, that not everything needs an attorney you know I mean, we like to think we're we're integral to the process but in point of fact we're really integral to a very few very key things you know and a lot of the stuff we do we can delegate if, and if we can make sure that it's done competently that doesn't mean you abdicate responsibility it just means you let somebody else do the work and you oversee it hmm. um, we learned that you know these process improvement, you know, sciences really do add a lot of value when you start looking at end-to-end things. They help you reduce waste. They help you improve quality. Uh, you, you have less mistakes and missed work. Um, and the, you, we learned along the way that you can save a bunch of money.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. like <laughs> You know, by doing things differently. You know, when we went to our outside counsel and we said, we've got this big problem, you know, the only you know, suggestion was, well, we think that's hard, but don't cut our fees. And, you know, we weren't quite sure how we were going to get there. But in reality, all these little steps added up to not only saving a bunch of money, but really helping us, you know, dial in, you know, some things that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise.
1: Now, Jeff, you've been in the business for for quite some time. What would you say is your model for helping a client identify the best IP and patent strategies for their own unique uh, business?
3: Well, you know, I think that, you know, as attorneys, we're a little bit uncomfortable with the intersection of business and intellectual property. And in order to really give your client the best service, you have to get more comfortable with the business end of the things that they struggle with and uh, you you really do have to you really do have to uh, you know not only understand their business but understand what it is that they want to do and what their temperament and personality is at that point in time, I think you're really able to sort of help them figure out what intellectual property or what mix of intellectual property will mm-hmm. really help them achieve those business goals
1: mm-hmm. Are there any certain tools that you employ or strategies when you're sitting down with with your clients and In trying to get to that uh, state, you know,
3: there are there are several. You know, there are better tools to help analyze existing portfolios and you know help them understand what it is that they're covering. Mm -hmm. But there's really no tools for helping them understand how to employ what it is they have to support their business processes. And so, you know, so it really this is one of those areas where attorneys, you know, with the right background and the right you know ability to sort of step in really add value for a client yes and so this is one of those things that i think shouldn't be delegated you know these, these are things yes. you should be involved in uh, you know to, to a large degree
1: bring our listeners up to date what are you doing now and uh, how are you applying what you learned at microsoft uh, to your clients patent portfolios of today
3: Sure, I you know I love counsel the Schwigman Lumberg, Wissner. They're a great firm. I love these guys, and I do uh, you know a lot of work with you know people there and the clients there. I'm also you know in my own firm, uh, starting you know down the path of helping you know businesses understand how to build you know portfolios. And so you know the firm that I'm that I've started is, you know, directed to try and bring some of these learnings I have to Microsoft to, Mm -hmm. you know, clients, uh, you you know, to to smaller IP clients, you know, in uh, basically a part-time in-house counsel, IP counsel role.
1: Mm -hmm. And you're on the board at Multiling. What is Multiling?
3: So Multiling is a patent translation company. They do mostly patent translations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're, they're sort of very, very innovative in the way that they've approached things. They've, uh, you know, they've taken this, uh, they're very aligned with sort of what we learned at Microsoft. They're aligned with these sort of processes and process improvements. And while I'm on the board there, I've been able to sort of introduce them to some of the experts we used at Microsoft and they've found value in helping that, having them come in and re-engineer their processes so that they can pass, you know, that learning and that savings along to their clients. It's been kind of fun to really see that all happen.
1: Well, it sounds like you've got your hand in a lot of different things these days, and I'm so glad you took the time to speak with us here at IP Fridays. I hope you continue to listen to our program, and and thanks again for participating.
3: And thank you, Ken. It's been a pleasure to be here.
1: Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes, and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast, or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.